to manufacture words must try to speak its insubstantial self in these tiny, hastily assembled fragments of sound, these invisible things that yet always threaten to clog my wondrously advanced machines and my wondrously advanced head, too. I speak now with self-deprecating irony, because even I am not immune to fragmentation and digression when I'm forced to resort to words. The atmosphere of this planet brims with words. They blow past me and I quake in the turbulence. I crack my knuckles. It's a soothing thing I learned from a cowboy I once beamed up from Lubbock, Texas. I am a gold-darn lucky creature. I have eight fingers full of knuckles. Count them, eight, to crack on each of my hands. And I do this, and I grow calm, and I wait. The bus just now leaves the reach of the tandem tractor-trailer's headlight beams. There are a thousand yards of empty interstate ahead. I wait for the bus to run farther into that dark gap. I sit before a great console, a vast screen that can flare with any of the countless images we've collected since our first visits here. Long ago now, nearly a hundred revolutions of this planet around its star. Images from our machines, simply watching and listening, and images from the human voices, from the words shaping the moments from inside the brains and the souls of those who have visited us from below. All of those who came to us were dashing somewhere. All of them were seeking something. These are the images that I have to understand, quickly now, before my appointed hour, but I am still mystified. Perhaps this bus will help. I look again. It is racing on. For a hundred of these years we have gathered images. I am not the first, but now I am alone. I am the only one of my kind on this vessel, the only one of us attending this planet now. I am deeply moved by this responsibility. Yippee! I. Yippee! Yay! I crack my knuckles once again. He was not a real cowboy in the sense he himself wished for. I touch my console. He was the first of these that I had ever met. I was very young, and not alone then. I call him up from the memories of this ship. I put him inside me. I am Whiplash Willie Jones. Mr. Griffith, of course was the hottest of shit if you figured these moving pictures would amount to anything. I never worked for Mr. Griffith, though I could have done that if I'd got the same chance that I myself would give even to a scorpion lurking in my boots some morning. I'd at least dump him out on the floor and let him have a chance to go ahead and run off and be what he is. Probably still hit him with the boot heel, though, smash him where he stood before he could take a step. This may be not the best way to put what I'm trying to say. Look at me, son. I don't have the face of Mix or Holt or my old pal Bronco Billy Anderson. I never liked white horses anyhow. What I'd have been, dumped out of a boot there on the floor, was what I ended up being. The guy who grabs the loot and tries to get away. The guy who'd as soon cheat you as look at you. The guy who'd meet a decent woman in an orange grove in Los Angeles and marry her and take her back to Lubbock and treat her like shit and not be able to stop himself. I didn't choose any of that. That was the cards I drew even before I knew what game it was I was playing. Take the one thing I'm remembered for. It was in that little movie that Ed Porter made in 1903, The Great Train Robbery. Ten minutes long, I show up, and he puts a hat on me, and a goddamn polka dot kerchief, and he glues a handlebar mustache to my face. Then he starts the camera to watching me, and he says, Go here. Do this. Do that.
That's how it always is, ain't it? So I'm the leader of the gang that robs the train in the first damn storytelling film ever. And what happens? There's 14 scenes in this little tale, and I get killed in an ambush in scene number 13. Shot dead, clear for everybody to see. And then there I am in scene 14, the last one, and it's just me filling up the screen. There ain't no forest or no horses or nothing, just blackness all around me. But I'm alive. I've been born again, some kind of miracle. And what do I do? I turn and face the audience and raise my gun and I wrinkle my brow and I shoot. I shoot the whole lot of them. I shoot the whole goddamn world. And it's nothing I choose for myself. The guy behind the camera, like some voice that just comes into my head, like the goddamn voice you hear inside you all your life long, he says, do this. And I do it. And in the theaters, women...